everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series, Star Trek Discovery. Today, we're going to be covering the second episode of Star Trek Discovery Season 2, entitled New Eden. I'm Clarence, and like always, I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, slash Trekkies, starting none other than the tech story and Carrie Brown. How you doing, dude? I'm great, man. Excited to talk about this week's episode. And over there in Hattiesburg, we have the Trek historian, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. I am excited to talk about this episode. And I missed last week's podcast for the very first episode, which <laughs> I've already told you guys, in my opinion, the best thing I've seen in Star Trek yet. Wow. And wait, just period? Just period. You talking oh. about the first episode? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Uh-huh. Well, let's go ahead and introduce the other person down there with you, which is Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man? The Stargate story I'm, himself. <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here as always. Awesome. And and last but certainly not least, we have the Who historian, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, what we do here on this podcast is review each and every Star Trek Discovery episode, in addition to talking all things Trek. And John, you kind of have to give me a little more explanation on what you mean by best Star Trek episode ever. Um, man, I don't know how to do it without going into a lot of detail, but. Give us a 30,000 foot view of why you think this is the best ever. This previous it's, episode, brother. It, it took everything I like about Star Trek and amplified it to me. So, like, everything I look for in my favorite Trek episodes were in this episode, but, like, times 10. Wow. Okay. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. It definitely was going for that big premiere splash. So, yeah, I guess I can see that. But maybe we have to sit down with you sometime later to to get the details (laughs) (laughs) On on why you have this feeling. Because I know pretty much everybody I know that saw this episode, episode, except the haters who usually hate everything, you know, that's new in Discovery, you know, pretty much liked it, you know, loved it across the board. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it was a very good episode. So, And don't get me wrong with it. I mean, episode two was very good as well. Oh, man. So- it was uh, so good. <laughs> you you liked episode one more than two? Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So, um, guys, wow. uh, you should definitely, definitely <laughs> check out our YouTube page, which can be found at youtube.discussingtrek.com or by going to YouTube and just searching for Discussing Trek. Please give us a sub over there. We really appreciate it, guys. So we uh does anybody have any news or anything before we get into our review? I have nothing. I have yeah, I've got nothing. All right. Well, do. Go ahead, Cal. No, 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 I'm good. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll just uh say thank you to the new listeners. I know we got some new listeners as we jumped into season two, and we thank everyone for leaving comments and everything on our Facebook page, which can be found by going to Facebook and just searching for discussing Trek. We hope to, you know, kind of, you know, generate a lot of discussion there. And I really appreciate everybody going in and giving comments. We may talk about some of those at a later time. Uh, but just thank you guys for participating and driving discussion over on our Facebook page. 
No, you guys are awesome, man. I, I just I know, like I was going through different podcasts that were like just on Star Trek. Just just the podcast that's on Star Trek in general is like hundreds, and for us to have as many listeners as we do, I think that's awesome. Yes, yes. The Star Trek podcast run rapid. <laughs> there are a lot of them out there, man. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. All right, guys. Well, we're going to get right into our review of Star Trek Discovery New Eden. Of course, I said before, season two. Episode two, which aired January 24th, 2019. And it was directed by William Rocker himself, Jonathan Frakes, which I thought was pretty cool. Yes, yes. A new signal brings the discovery to a distant planet, Terralisium, that is inhabited by the descendants of human survivors of World War III, which was fought on Earth 200 years earlier. So I'm going to go around the horn and get everybody's 30,000 foot view of the episode before we get into details. So I'll start that off with Carrie. What did you think, man? Uh, well, two things, much less hokey and overall to me, at least as a as a trick noob, it was much more enjoyable than the first episode. Not that the first episode was bad. It just to me, I just didn't really like it that much. Now that I've now that I've seen another episode, I do feel strongly about my first opinions about the first episode. Uh, as far as me not knowing how I felt about it, I feel like this one was a lot better, I think. What about you, Mr. Hmm. Jones? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I watched it uh, twice, and I thought it built on the story that it started in the first one and enjoyed it. I don't want to say as much, but in different ways than I enjoyed the first one. Awesome. And Jeremy? I enjoyed it. Um, I don't think it was as strong as the last episode, but it, it, it did stay consistent. If that makes any sense, like the writing style was still was was still on par with the first episode. It just wasn't didn't have that premiere bang that last episode did. But it was still a really great episode. I definitely get, get that. And what about you, John? Um, I pretty much concur with everyone. It was a great episode, man. I really loved it. Uh, and it, I mean, it, it, they kind of went back to the roots of Star Trek. Seemed like. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to have to agree with Carrie. I I love this episode more than the first one. Um <laughs> I love like you just said, John. It has so much classic tone in it. And you know, in the midst of all this flashy CG graphics and all this stuff, the the core story tone <laughs> felt very classic to me. It felt very classic. So we start off the episode with his voiceover. Uh, I think it was a little bit longer than what we heard from the end of last episode that Burnham uncovered on Spock's iPad or whatever she called it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, let me just get you guys opinion. Like, what do we think is meant by that recording me- recorded message and 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 Spock hiding his knowledge of these signals? Because it seems like a big deal. So does anybody have any ideas on why he actually chose not to divulge this very important information? Um, You know, I, 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 that, that kind of took a lot of my concentration time during this episode. Because I, 
I just couldn't understand Spock being such a logical person that, like, what would be the logic of hiding this? And the only thing I could come up with is it affects his family in some way. Hmm. And I've actually read a theory about that online. Uh, anyway, I don't know if we're getting that far yet, but yeah. Does it have, does it directly affect this episode, uh, your theory, or can, can you divulge right now? Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, the theory of the, uh, well, yeah, I guess it's part of last week's episode. I don't know if you guys talked about it, but the Red Angel thing going on. Yeah. Like, if you know, for some reason, they made a lot of, there was a lot, the red, the angel was red, of course. So there was a lot of things that was red associated in that episode. And so like, uh, when they give you the flashback of Spock at home with his father and Amanda, you kind of see it's a lot of red and a lot of red undertones going on. I, I just think it has something tied into their family. I mean, the tree outside was having, they had some kind of red petals falling off of it. And I mean, I'm reading this all. It was online. <laughs> it was another theory. So, yeah. But I mean, they showed pictures of it, and in, in that case, it was truly was red petals on the tree. The house was red, and the walls. Um, Amanda wore a red dress when they met uh, Michael the first time. So, it seems like they're just tying that into his family somewhat, and I think he knows that. Hmm. Yeah, I, he did, as we saw in that opening scene there. Um, he told Pike that he did not want the family to be contacted, uh, which, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't see how this obviously since Spock and now we, we saw Burnham at the end of the last episode. Well, during the last episode, have the flashback as well. I can see it being tied into their family, but still, I guess right now we just don't have enough information to really base that on anything. Um, yeah. But I I do get the symbolism that you're mentioning. And it could be a time travel issue. And Spock being a logical being he is, he knows not to discuss anything time travel like without he he wouldn't contaminate the timeline. So I mean, I think it's safe to say at this point that like we just don't know. But I would like to add that one of the things I did like about this episode is that it clearly debunked something that I was worried about that we discussed on the last podcast. I was worried about this season turning into the search for Spock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm so happy that they like killed that. Like, I think that might have played into my one of the things that played into my enjoyment of this episode was that they just kind of we're not doing that. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, they killed that in the first two minutes of the episode. I was like, well, that's we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that surprised me because all the buildup and all the hype leading up to the premiere was about Spock. So I kind of was half expecting it to be like all Spock, the first episode, first two episodes. Yeah. Which I'm kind of glad they kind of they didn't go that direction because, you know, like I said, the, you know, the. Discovery, the search for Spock, I think would have been just a bit, <laughs> a bit too much fan service yeah. and not enough actual quality show. Yeah, yeah, I I do find this opening sequence um, commits one of the sins that I kind of hate on a lot of shows, and that's when they introduce a new bit of information that directly impacts the, the episode, and. I feel they did that with Pike in their mentioning that his father taught comparative religion. Um, 
and then like the episode directly talking about you know having the religious right. tones and stuff like maybe you should have told us that last episode because giving it to us now seems a little too on the nose you know what i'm saying it's convenient plot points yeah. I, I i agree with that I, that just well uh, yeah i think it's a double-edged sword though because i mean if you think about it, it carries no relevance outside of this episode. I don't really have a problem with it just because it wasn't, it's not really relevant outside of this episode. So, I mean, that might've been one reason why they did it. Yeah. And right. It just, but, but it just seems awfully convenient that, you know, we have this episode that's still dealing basically with religion and then, Oh, Hey, my father taught religion. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, well, you mean I, I, you mean like them introducing a character only to kill them off <laughs> like they did in the first episode? <laughs> Really it would, it, to me it didn't stand out much I, I, like, I don't think it was important enough for me to worry about it one way or another yeah. Well, and I kind of agree with that but now that he's brought it to my attention I can't help but not think about that Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 thanks, it, thanks for ruining that for me and I appreciate that <laughs> my, <laughs> my bad I mean the reason it jumps out at me and maybe Kyle can attest to this like on some of the Doctor Who episodes of the current season they did that quite a few times to where they introduced an idea and then the rest of the episode involves it directly or like the next few minutes, they resolve what they just introduced. You know what I'm saying? It just felt weird. No, I agree with you. And I, I actually wrote that down as, as something that caught my attention because you usually in my mind do not see someone who is rooted in science. And if you're taking your like of science so far to the fact that you have become a scientist, then you're also teaching religion. That's two polar opposites in many ways, in many shape, forms, and fashion. So I thought it was an just whether it tied into the story or not. I thought it was an interesting thing because it made me think about the two and how they often, you know, collide and are two opposing forces in many ways. Well, I mean, you can look at it that way, Kyle, but the way I was looking at it is, you know, being a science, being, you know, a logical or a scientific culture. I mean, I was looking at the religion more from an anthropologic standpoint, whereas like this was behavior of, you know, older or I guess ancient earth civilizations like it. It's a significant part of history, whether you believe it or not. Like it's yeah. it's it's a significant um uh, driver of human behavior in especially the early you know, the early stages of, of the earth, you know, so like, I feel like even if it's from no other standpoint than that, I feel like it's irrelevant for the future cultures to study. Well, if you take what you just said and apply that to the episode in itself, it makes even more sense tying back into what Clarence said just a minute ago of how Doctor Who sometimes introduces a concept and then explains it later. The way you just explained it, Carrie, totally one million percent applies to what comes comes within the next 15 to 20 minutes so maybe that's the purpose yeah so so we'll get into that but i want to shift gears just a little bit i want to talk about to me other than to me have these two segments going on in this episode uh once we finally get to new eden and you have the planet stuff going on but on the ship we have a battle going on too and <laughs> was Tilly the standout character in this episode? I think Tilly really shined in this episode. So, um, 
get let's get into the uh, specifics of what she actually accomplished and um what are our ideas on her newfound friend so does anybody have any theories on the newfound friend first and we'll kind of go through i have like three things that she really accomplished in this episode that i thought were freaking fantastic so any any takers on that one Stamets, that's all I have to say. <laughs> what? <laughs> she accomplished Stamets? No, like the person, the person, the person. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be funny, but it was like. like not to like spoil anything, but this person that she's seeing that like is not really there. And, you know, Stamets and his boyfriend. Like yeah. that's. I I got it. I thought it had something to do with the network or the sport network or something. Like that's what I was thinking the whole, you know, once it was revealed, but I don't know that. Well, see, I was actually curious. It's funny you say that. I just told Jeremy because we were watching the episode again a few minutes ago. Like it just occurred to me that I, I, I'm going right on along those lines because you had Stamets' boyfriend helping him out, and now you have Tilly's person in her mind helping her out, and then you have this red angel. That everybody else is seeing helping. Like everybody has their own guiding. Kind of like a guardian angel yeah, type. Huh. Type going on. And that could have been caused by these massive amount of jumps they've made right. toward the end of the first season. They're contaminated by the fungus. Mm. So, <laughs> there's a fungus among us. <laughs> so, good, good point. Tilly, I mean, uh, Stamets saw uh, Colber. In the Mycelium Network. And we remember he, they also saw the, we saw the mirror figures, which I don't know if they ever really explained that from last season. The uh, images in the mirror. Do we get explanation? Yeah. I don't think they really, I, have, I don't think we did. I have a theory about that. Like, we keep seeing multiple, we keep seeing two different versions of Stamets throughout this episode. What? What? <laughs> what? Do you get huh? what I'm saying? Like, no. sometimes he, so like, after he made the first jump, you know, he was all worried about going in because he didn't want to see Uber anymore. Right. And he came out and he didn't want to talk. He was like in a bad mood. And then there was a problem on the bridge. He came back. It's like everything was fine. Uh, He's like, what? I heard you guys well, have a problem. may have been his way to, to work through it. Like, you know, yeah, but that's I'm not pissed standards. about what's going to happen, but I need to, go, I need to get my mind off of it. So I'm going to go solve this problem. You're talking about a guy that's already signed the papers to transfer off the ship. Like, well, I John, really think. Right. But John. I mean, Signed the papers to get off the ship, but he's still a Starfleet officer. And well, okay. well, the oh. point that maybe because Tilly <laughs> is now <laughs> Tilly is now taking over that lead scientific role, well, you know, science officer role. But but that's the, that's mm. the thing to me. I think what is bringing Stamets back into the fold is he's he's depressed. He doesn't want to be there, but ultimately his his ambition for science is so great. When he sees something cool happening on sciency, he did it with the asteroid, uh, uh, pulling it into the cargo bay. He did it again when they're trying to solve the problem of the radiation. I feel like the draw of science is just so great for him is that even though he's depressed, it's, you know, it's, it's like his getaway. You know, uh, people do things when they're depressed to get out of that funk, funky state, you know, and I feel that's what what he's doing in this episode. He's kind of jumping back into it. Okay, and I'll take it one step further. And you, you, you ended with an excellent segue with the word jump, in the sense of there the difference between last episode and this episode. Starfleet had said 
no more jumping, no more spore drive, no more human interaction. Let's find something different. This particular episode, the captain says, look, this is a situation. I'm making an executive decision. Use the, you know, use the spore drive, connect yourself. Maybe that's the difference in him. Huh. And I will say he was a little too quick to jump in. <laughs> he was a little too quick to just jump in a sport drive. Cause like you said, at the end of last season, he did, he was done. He was done with the sport drive, but now it seems like he, I, I guess he still might be trying to find Cobra. I don't know. I mean, that may be the only way he could connect to him again. So, well, I mean, he felt like that when he was about to make that jump, which is why he hesitated to go in. Cause he really didn't want to yeah. see him again. Oh, well, yeah, maybe the desire to see him again overrated. Right. I mean, it's still, I mean, it's still painful to see him because right. the man he, you know, he obviously loved. I mean, he wanted to see him, but he knew it was going to be painful to do it physically and emotionally. So, yeah. I mean, he he did what he had to do for I, I don't know if it's closure or a refusal of closure. I don't know, but he he wants to see Huber again. So my my additional theory to why Tilly is seeing this character. I forgot what they called her. Uh, did they give her a name? They did. Yeah, episode. they did. Yeah. My, my additional theory on that is I think it is connected to the Mycelium network. You remember when we first got to the asteroid in the last episode, she mentioned that the spores are going crazy when they got there. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So remember it sometime during last season, a spore fell on her shoulder. Yeah. yeah. And then right. she went to the asteroid and extracted the fragment. Um, and it kind of charged in front of her and threw right. her across the room. So I'm thinking right. that somehow excited the spore <laughs> that fell on her last season and is causing her to have these mycelium, what, uh, daydreams, whatever. I don't know what you call them. Visions, maybe. Visions, yeah. Man, you're a freaking theorist there, buddy. I, that's <laughs> awesome. I, I mean, I never put that together, but that fits perfectly. So. I will say I do uh, love the setup they gave because in the last episode, I really didn't get the idea that the asteroid weighed had it. Well, they mentioned that it had its own gravity field, but I didn't right. have any idea that it weighed as much as they they showed it did in this episode. And I think that was like the demonstration they gave of the asteroid fragment coming out of the field and falling and crushing the table. I thought there was a good illustration of what they paid off later in the episode. Right. So why didn't they use that chunk instead of still trying to, you know, laser beam this, this <laughs> bit off that she was working on? Why didn't she just like, you know, put that little chunk that fell off into that little uh, field and use that instead? Yeah, well, that would have been safer. Because Tilly I mean, had to I, come up with know, the donut maneuver. And I mean, it, I, I mean, I know plot point and all, but I mean. It's the hey, power of math. The power of math, people. <laughs> Did I say that? Um <laughs> But yeah, man, I think the donut maneuver that they did with Deadmer, I thought that was freaking hilarious and awesome at the same time. I mean, donuts in a spaceship. You can't be mad at that, can you? Right. <laughs> I think that is a first. I don't know how you could be. Can Get you your roll on. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, man. So that was one of our feats, the donut maneuver, the asteroid extraction, and then like the whole coming up with the signal, uh, uh, triangulating the signal. Uh, the red burst. I thought that was pretty cool. She got a little help from Burnham there, but I thought how she came up with that was pretty freaking awesome. So, you know, I think Tilly kind of, kind of shined in this episode. She really, I uh, had a lot of good moments. Very good moments. I agree. 
I'm just I'm just worried that at some point down the line it's going to be the Tilly show and not Star Trek anymore. Because they're making a really great character, but like any other show, if you find that really great, it's like the Big Bang Theory, you know, it's the Sheldon show now. Yeah, I, I think Tilly is going to be one of those characters that by the end of Discovery, we're going to be like, oh, crap, how did they do this? Because I think she's going to be totally different. Oh, yeah, I, I hope so. But I, I just worry that, you know, they're going to start shifting to just her and, you know, kind of leave everybody else out in the dust. That could be Janeway's great, great grandmother. <laughs> yeah, could be. Could be. be. <laughs> could be. Could be. And I think Kyle said last season that what if she were related to Janeway? I mean, or oh, somebody did. did. It probably was you. <laughs> 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 so we find out that this other, this new Eden Terralisium is, is what, uh, 51,000 light years away or 150 years away in the beta quadrant. I immediately thought of the caretaker when they did this for some reason. Was it just me? Did anybody else think of the caretaker from Voyager? No, I did. I, I didn't think of the caretaker immediately, but I did think of Voyager. Well, when they said they were humans there, I was like, huh, that's just a little too convenient. Also convenient. Yeah. <laughs> huh. I didn't put that together either. <laughs> huh. Did anybody get the World War Three references in this episode? I mean, many. We've heard it in many episodes, and then we've seen it in a few well not really seen it but i mean there's been a few time travel episodes where it took place like right before right after world war three yeah i'm trying to think of the exact ones well, i think most notably for us uh we reviewed the first episode of tng and we have q you know he came up with the world war three suit on Right. And that's the whole reason they were on trial because of past uh, atrocities. And I think there the, wasn't the trial held in like a World War Three era uh, tribunal. If I yeah. remember correctly. I mean, this is, has been mentioned. World War Three has been mentioned like a lot throughout Trek. So it's not really a specific thing you can look at. But what, what we know is we never we've we always touched on what led to or what came after so like the eugenics wars were one of the things that sparked world war three the you know the episode of deep space nine where they get they like travel back in time and they're in being held in like concentration camps yeah, yeah. like they're behind this wall and i forget the name of it but i mean that was leading up to world war three yeah it just it was, it was a lot of things leading up to that. Money was an issue, which is why we got they got rid of currency. One of the big things why they stopped using currency. I mean, it's just a lot to it. I didn't really pinpoint anything listening to it. Yeah, we also have uh, the episode we reviewed, Terra Prime, where yeah. the uh, the wait, that's the name of the group, Terra Prime, <laughs> and uh, Paxton. I believe is the name. That was that was the name of the episode too. I think. Yeah, and they were like followers of uh, one of the leaders during during World War Three. I forget the guy's right. name. Right. Uh, so yeah, a lot of ref- references to that sprinkled all throughout Trek. So let's talk a little bit about what actually happened on the planet. So we have this group of humans who during World War Three crowded in the church and somehow the church got transported 50,000 light years away in the beta quadrant by some unknown entity. And what do we think about this notion of the, these people of different religion, religions banding together to form this newfound religion? And is that, is that something that we think is possible or? Well, 
I mean, I hate to go I, all the, 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 theological, theological, but it's like, if you look at all religions, they're <laughs> all pretty similar. Yeah. I mean, there's just a few things that are different. Like, you could probably count them on your fingers. Like, they're, it it made perfect sense to me. Yeah. Well, the, the, the issue I'm kind of having with that part, that particular part, is that, you know, in order to incorporate these different religions, you have to have somebody who follows those different religions, or at least is well-versed in those different religions. So, like, this, this, this looks like a contemporary Christian church that was transported. Where did the Buddhist followers come from? Where did the, the Muslims come from? Where did the, the Jews come from? I mean, where, where do they all? Churches are shelters during floods and things like that. Everybody goes there. So Except I, for Joel Olstein's church. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right. Okay. But this, but we're say, this wasn't like a, this is like a small town, you know, church. You know, in most places where you find churches, especially of that structure, there's not a whole lot of diversity. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, it, like they uh, show the video at the beginning, at the end of the episode. And if you look at that video, it's not a bunch of people in a worship session. There's, it's like <laughs> pandemonium going on. Like if, right. if there's explosions and stuff going off, I'm going to run to the nearest building that's still standing <laughs> and I'm going to hide. And that, that's what that looked yeah. like to me. Didn't really look like a religious gathering. And you have to you have to think, I mean, even though we're looking at it in this timeline as being so far in the past, it's also so far ahead of the future we actually live in. Right. So to say that a small town church like that, there was only people that go to that type of church. And I have another question. Did they do they say that that building itself got transported is do they say yeah. that because there's other yeah. buildings yeah, they, yeah. they said that That's the, yeah they said that that okay. taken so what, what i'm getting at though is that you know it, it just seems to me that i mean i appreciate what they're trying to do here but i'm, I'm just trying to figure it wrap around my head how all these different religions can come with all the knowledge that they all bring the deep history that all these different religions have how that got transported with them and I guess it could have just been a forced plot, just so you wouldn't it, offend anybody. I mean, it may it may have been. I mean, they couldn't have just, they couldn't have said, "Well, hey, we we say this angel dropped out the sky and saved all the Jews, right?" And then, yeah, yeah, let me say, I mean, I think maybe okay, let's let's peel it back for just a little bit. You have all these different people piling into this church because a war is going on around them. They're not members of the church; they're just piling in because it's safe. And I can definitely see people who may not be priests. But it may just be like normal church members from these different religions, right? You know, coming together to cobble something together because they're not the, you know, the, <laughs> the highest form of that particular religion. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I to mean, me, it I'll makes even more sense that they will cobble together some other religion from all of their shared knowledge. I'm trying to work out the math of how we can get enough information from all these different religions cobbled together at one time but to you- form this new religion. I think you're reading yeah, too much into yeah. it. Like, in, in this, this is I why don't I disagree hey, with that. Just give me a second. Like, <laughs> this is why I think you're reading too much into it. Okay, so there's a Japanese anime called Neon Genesis Evangelion. The enemies are called angels. There's characters such as Lilith, like Adam, like all these names. They don't know. Like the Japanese people have no idea what these things mean. They just think the the imagery is cool, and that's why they use them in this show. 
and in in that vein, I feel like you had a bunch of people who weren't crazy, terribly religious. And if you look at this this um building, all you see is imagery. You see Buddhist imagery. You see Christian imagery. Like all you see is the imagery. There, right. There's no indication that there's some kind of like religious doctrine that you know that like takes. I, I know they show a book, but what I'm saying is like th- there's no like proof that they all these different like theologians from all these religions came together and they said okay this is what we're going to form i think it just kind of happened you know i don't think it was necessarily something that was like planned out and added to the fact you had 200 years for that to uh coagulate is that the word maybe not the right word but come together yeah that works (laughs) well i mean no i kind of in it i kind of get where jeremy's going like for instance a church down the street from you like right now, a church down the street from me. If so happened, we're in the middle of World War Three, and everybody runs to the church to hide, and somehow that church gets transported to another planet to be saved, the chances are at least, at least 75% of the people are going to be from one denomination. Right. Like but, but, 75% of people are going to believe. Are gonna, the, but they're probably going to be in the denomination <laughs> of that of that church. worship center. Right. We're going to have to table this leaving. conversation. We're going to table this. I, well, I just, I just want to say one more thing. Like I live in Kansas City, which is a fairly populous city. And right. you can drive down any street, any major street. You go five miles, you're going to see six or seven, maybe even 10 to 15 different religious buildings, given, you know, in this area of the United States, most of them will probably be Christian. But even if you take Christianity, there's like so many different interpretations of that. And like my point is like there's and we don't even know if any religious leaders were actually there, how long they lived, how much they passed down. Like, I think this is just a patchwork religion thing like that. And I mean, you you guys are just overanalyzing. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's, let's 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 table it right there. Let's table it right there. I think we've been talking about this part way too okay, long. Well, well, let me just but, ask but, one more question. Oh God, is it important to the episode? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Who the hell did they transport that knew how to make stained glass? Because that's a, because none of that came with the church the first time. Because that's all new imagery. So who brought that kind of knowledge with them too? Nobody has an answer for that. I understand, but I had to ask that too. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe they Googled it. <laughs> so they came. And, and another reason for them to band together, I think we're missing the point as we had that 20 minute detour there is that, <laughs> is that one of the reasons they were able to come together is because this higher power that they're calling this angel that transported them there. So Kyle, I want to ping you on this one. Now I know in our who discussions, we've talked about the concept of if, if any sufficient advanced technology comes along, someone may presume that to be a God, like kind of Pike mentions it in this episode. So what are your ideas on that? Do you find that as good reasoning there? Well, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm not, and I'm not trying to go back to the religion uh, discussion, but however many people, whether it was 50, whether it was 500, whether it was 5,000, they've got to get along on some way. And they are stranded or they're in a place that they've never seen before. And to keep sanity intact, yeah. I think they had to wrap their head around something and 
whether this being, this angel, this red angel, saved them for altruistic uh, reasons or if there's something else that's more diabolical that we don't know about yet, whatever the case may be, they wrap their head around this um, thought of this angel. And I think it was more of a, a more of a, coping mechanism or a survival technique. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but that's kind of how I see it. No, no, no. That's good. That's good. So let's get to what I think is like the main point of this whole new Eden thing is the classic battle of uh, the prime directive. That's, you know, we talk about all this other stuff, the religion in part, but, but a lot of it is the prime directive and I think there's an added flair in this one is the fact that they are humans that they're talking to, you know. So do you think they're justified in maintaining the prime directive in this situation where this group of people are actually humans who would have been in a warped civilization if not had been for this quote unquote angel carrying them all the way on this planet over here? Anyone? They're they're not though. They would have been, but they're but not. That, so but they're their people. They're their brothers, and they don't really need rescuing. They're fine. <laughs> <laughs> but they're but, fine. But, but I think but the question cloud that's going to kill them. Radiation <laughs> cloud. Well, I'm just saying, like, the, and they 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 fix that. I'm talking about them as far as their survival. Their survival is not in danger. You know, as far as them being on this remote planet, um, they're primitive. You know, it would be like if, you know, they took if if we like me and you were brothers, but we were born and then one of us lived in one country and one lived in the other. You know, we wouldn't know the difference if one of us True. grew up in America and one of us, grew. you know, like they, they aren't. Except for the one guy who knows that yeah. they're not, which I assume that maybe they would have taken him, but the other people are like none the wiser. I don't. I think they should have followed it. Yeah, I agree with the captain. Huh. Yeah. Well, now there's a DS9 episode where um, Cisco and um... oh, Cisco breaks prime directive. <laughs> <laughs> well, he and I think he and Janeway are tied. On yeah. That. But there was a DS9 episode where where Cisco and um, what's his name that the. the the chief engineer O'Brien O'Brien yeah they were on this planet where this woman had like cut off all technology to everybody she had brought there with them oh yeah I did too and then when when they had when they knew about all this you know everything that's happened since they chose to stay in their little community so I mean that's very well possible they could have that's the life they've known so that's that's the life they're going to stick with yeah so I mean I, 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 I think he should. I think he was right to stay with the prime directive. Yeah, and, and and I get that, but I think the, I think their interpretation of that would have been very different if every human down there was a slave or something, or you know, in in in, in servitude to some alien species or something. I think I think they would have looked at it differently. They've been like, if the prime directive, we're gonna save our people, you know. So, but like yeah. you said, Carrie, they didn't need saving. So I don't know. So I looked at that. Uh, I probably seem like I go against everything everybody's saying every time. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be adversarial, as the prophets put it. But counterpoint. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I looked at this a little differently. So I do agree. The initial contact should be following prime directive, which they but, never referred to as prime directive during the episode. General Order One. 
but I mean, after learning how they got there and by, you know, the way they got there, I think not by no my, by no means am I saying, hey, screw screw General Order One, let's leave them a shuttle and a couple of replicators. And, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? But I still think they should have told them, listen. Humanity has stepped forward so much over the years. Uh, but, you know, I think it's best because, I mean, we, we, we know that these people are an enlightened people for the most part. Yes. They just hadn't advanced. So I think, you know, hey, guys, this is what you have to look forward to. This is where you should work up to, which is another reason why I think he left that power sale there for him, which I think he should have done. Like, listen, we can we can get you there. We can help you get started. We can't give it to you because it needs. But like hiding the truth from him, I don't see it. But see, okay, if if someone came up to me right now and said, Jeremy, you're going, your species will be in space in a hundred years. We can't. We can get. We we can get you to that point, but we can't get you in space right now. I'm going to be pissed because there's an opportunity for me to go into space, but you won't give it to me. Like, why are you even telling me this? Why? Why are we? I mean, because that's just. Well, that's my point. Like, give me a path to get there. Like I, would, I well, I think they, yeah, I think leaving the power cell was that path, right? Which I say that's what I agreed. Now I just think he should have done it. It should have been a little bit earlier. I, I don't end. think he should have had the t- a town hall meeting saying, you know, this is, <laughs> this, this is the future. I want to leave this this one little device here. Work from that, and right. you know, create this whole budding civilization. But because I mean, it's, it's not their fault. Like no, yeah, this it was. So I kind of look at it like this. So. And I don't know. This is going to be touchy. Anyway, <laughs> never mind. I'll let that go. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, a few more points I want to bring up real quick. Um, I thought With Joanne Owasakan, Owasakan, she was freaking awesome. And just the notion of bringing in these other crew members. You know, I said it last episode, but these crew members that we've heard a little about, uh, Detmer got a pretty good, you know, role in this episode. Uh, she's been flying since she was 12 and, uh, her and Osakan, you may, maybe the first two black female away team, maybe. I don't know. Maybe somebody can prove me wrong on that if you're listening, uh, ever. Uh, I think probably the first black two together. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I just thought all that was awesome. But they were still being led get, by the white guy, so that's I kind get, of a watch. I get, I get that she's from a Luddite tribe, you know, but did they have to make her sound like a pilgrim? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Did she sound like a pilgrim? I don't think she... No, nah, I didn't the think she turning did. on. They, they, like, why no, she has like that? a Caribbean accent or whatever. I, <laughs> It sounded like she had just landed on a Mayflower. Oh, like God. it did not. It did not sound like she was like Caribbean to me. I thought, I I like, thought it sounded like Bob Marley or somebody. That's what, that's what I got out of it. Oh, she know. sounded like a pilgrim to me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the Luddite thing. Yeah, maybe they pepperjured. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Because I remember hearing her talk from like last season. Amish so. or something. Like, I was but, like, why are you talking like that? But they did kind of make that comment. That was Burnham's justification for getting her on the away mission. Said she's from a Luddite, Luddite right, uh, group of people. So maybe that colors your opinion, but maybe that's the right thing they were going for. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought she was awesome. I thought she was freaking awesome on that o- away team. It was great. Yeah, she was. She was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the last thing I really want to talk about, and I'll, before we get into it, I'll see if you guys have any comments of the things I haven't brought up that you want to mention before we get into my little last part of the episode I want to talk about. Um, 
Well, I get, I've been talking a lot too. Uh, I just, so my overall appreciation of this, I, I just felt a lot, you know, I'm a big deep space nine fan. So like to tie in, you guys were mentioning this earlier, like to tie in of religion and science and DS nine does that very well in my opinion. And you kind of got a little bit of that in this episode. So I kind of like the fact that they, they're, they're working that in, you know, it's like, becoming more DS nine ish. Yeah, I guess. I guess, but it, it, like I say, it brought it brought it back to a classic, and I guess that's why I like it because it's more DS Nine ish, but it's more classic Star Trek. Like that is the debate whenever you watch Star Trek. Like scientific people say, yeah, this is the future, and then a lot of the people don't. So anyway, I don't know how to explain the best. So I'll just dive into my last little point before we kind of wrap things up here. As we wrap things up here. Um, so the whole idea of these red bursts. So where do you guys think we're going with this? To me, it seems like both of the pursuits to track these red bursts have always resulted in a trial. You know, you know, first we have the uh, Hiawatha, you know, heading toward the pulsar on the asteroid. And then here you have the radiation, uh, Radiation belt coming toward the planet. So, is do we think these are just going to be a series of of tests that they have to kind of pass to get something at the end? Because that's what it feels like so far. Um, I don't know about that, but I was thinking maybe they were trying to somehow bring the cling, not the cling on the Vulcan extremists back in the picture, like that. Because huh. it's. I, it's there's just something that doesn't sit right with me about all this and the angel thing, which I don't think is an angel at all. Um, there's just something about all that that just has me feeling like there's there's some big payoff. And that was the other thing I wanted to say is that with this with this series, even though these two episodes were two fairly standalone episodes, I can see how they're still weaving together the overarching narrative, and it, I'm really excited to see where it goes. Awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, I'll 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 say this. The you know uh, what Carrie just said. I like seeing the overall narrative, the weaving together of a story, and you know you say that these aren't that connected. I think when we get to the end of the season and we look at it, they're going to be more connected in hindsight than what we can see now. Yep. All right. All right. Well, Jonathan. Uh, well, just. Real quick, I don't know, I just read this online. It, there's a theory that these may be Iconians. Yeah, I think I've heard that one as well. Yeah, that's based sense. off of the way they look in the game. It's kind of similar to this angelic creature they're seeing. And we do know and that Iconians have the ability to transport across vast distances. So that makes sense there. And on, 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 where my memory beta, whatever that is, they said, Planet Iconia is in the Beta Quadrant. Interesting. Interesting. Oh. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And, uh, Jeremy, do you have any comments for you? Wrap things up? Uh, well, I don't think I have enough information about the Red Burst for me to really form a decent, even half-baked opinion. <clears throat> so I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm just kind of riding this out to see, you know. Yeah. To see if I can piece together something a little bit better before I can begin to think if I know what's going on. Yeah, they're very vague on these first. Yeah. I have a, I have another theory real quick uh, before we wrap up. I think 
if you've seen the cage and Kyle, I know Kyle's seen the cage, we reviewed it, but I think the Spock we see in the cage versus the Spock we see in Enterprise is going to be justified somehow by this, him going in a psych ward or going crazy or whatever. Maybe hmm. he comes out more reserved and more like the Spock we know when he gets out. Just a theory. I don't know if that's true at all. No, I actually like that. And that's something I don't think we really hinted at or really talked about in this episode is, you know, we've made comments about how different Spock looks. Well, being in a sight ward would explain the long hair and the beard and the, yeah. because he's not at his true or at his normal self. <clears throat> right. Cool. He was an evil little child. Though. <laughs> <laughs> so many dragons and crap. <laughs> oh, God. So wrong. Get out my room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He's dragons. Eat. <laughs> oh god. Y'all ain't right. Him and his iPad, bruh. Him and his iPad. Darkest. <laughs> oh lord. Alright, guys. We're ready to oh, <laughs> 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 We're ready to wrap things up. Alright, let's go around the horn and see what everybody is working on, podcast related or otherwise. Let's start off with uh Jeremy and Jonathan over there in Hattiesburg. What's up, guys? Not much we're working on. We did do another episode of J&J Starts Talking, if you guys hadn't heard it. Uh, we did it on the subject of, which I didn't know was an issue till recently, was toxic masculinity. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty interesting. And if you don't know about that, it was a Gillette commercial that kind of sparked this, saying that we were raising men to be too manly. Too manly. Anyway, give it a listen. It's pretty good. It's, yeah, it's probably one of our more heated. Well, I wouldn't say heated, but it's more definitely more of a different of difference of opinions yeah. than what we're than what we're both of he and I are accustomed to. I think. Well, hey, that that makes for good conversation. <laughs> All right, Carrie, man, what are you working on, podcast related or otherwise? I just want to plug. Well, of course, you know we have our weekly Techpedition stream right. around nine nine p.m. on Wednesdays. If you're not doing anything, you know. You get out of Bible study, you want to catch up on your tech, you know, it's <laughs> what we're here for. Um, but, um, you know, other than that, I did want to call something out that we hadn't really talked about. Yeah. Um, and it happened 33 years ago in 1986. Uh, this is the 33 year anniversary of the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster. Um, oh, man. If you don't remember, um, basically, um, this space shuttle just exploded which technically it didn't explode it was a fuel leak um which actually the liquid oxygen poured out of the tank and then caught fire in the shuttle this uh it didn't disintegrate it exploded um or separated i guess and the thing that i didn't know about this not to get too crazy morbid about this but the seven astronauts did not die in the explosion the explosion did not kill them they fell to Earth and collided into the ocean at 200 miles an hour. Like, oh, wow. That's now, what, that I didn't know. I didn't know that either. Dude. Um, you see, but yeah, you see the footage, you think they died in an explosion. They did not. Um, there are actually um, records of some of the um, astronauts actually activating their um, their oxygen devices like while everything's happening. The pilot was actually trying to, you know, they were fighting for their lives um, and 
it's really amazing story. One of the ladies on the um ship, she was actually a school teacher yep. on the um Krista McCullough. Yeah. So I mean it's it's really interesting if you haven't read up or seen the video that I encourage you to watch it. I mean, mm. it's it's pretty shocking just seeing the people in the control room reacting to what's happening. Um and you know, I was like two when this happened, but it's still an amazing event and you know, it kind of falls in line with what with what we talk about, so I, I think I remember watching this like at school yeah, well, when it school. happened. Wasn't like Channel One or something? We were yeah. No, we, no, I think they rolled in like the TVs and we watched the coverage of it. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's where I saw it too because I think they like played it live in all the classrooms when it happened. Yeah, yeah the, NASA actually had a special feed that they sent to schools. Um, was it Channel One? I'm trying yeah. To well, well, yeah, because think about it. That was your first. Uh, school teacher in space, or as it was supposed to be. So, right. So there was a big education initiative behind it. Hmm. Yeah, man, that was that was sad. That was so sad. And yeah. I want to say, if I remember, I, I think it was Star Trek, the th- the third Star Trek movie, where they actually did a dedication to them in the opening credits. Really. Which is uh, which is odd because normally all dedications and you know this movie is dedicated to to whomever is at the end. They do this like during the opening credits. Wow. All right. Well, Kyle Jones, man, what you working on, podcast related or otherwise? Uh, if anyone listening is a fan of Doctor Who, we've mentioned Doctor Who briefly in this um, episode. You can check us out at discussingwho.com. Check us out at DiscussingWho.com as well as DiscussingNetwork.com where you can find all the podcasts that we do, including this one. And also as Carrie mentioned, TechPedition.com as well as searching for J&J Starts Talking on the podcast site of your choice. So guys, thank you all for joining in. And until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe.